0: Under the Tartan Sky, episode 81, produced for April 2021. Tartan is a cultural icon of Scotland... Traditionally, it is a patterned woven cloth, typically wool, that consists of crisscrossed bands of color, both vertically and horizontally, creating a distinctive pattern of squares and lines. I'm Glenn Moyer, and today, Tartan is no longer limited to textiles. The term has come to mean the pattern itself as much as a cloth, and it can be found not just on clothing and home furnishings, but also on media as varied as paper, plastics, vinyl, and even glass. In a moment, we'll meet a Glasgow artisan for whom tartan has inspired a unique line of fused glass creations. That's coming up here, under the tartan sky.
1: Are you dot scot yet? Dot scot is a domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish government and parliament the National Health Service in Scotland and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. .scot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then .scot is for you. Best of all, it's easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name and you're off and running. And, by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blither, our email service will help you do that too. Scott, Be part of it.
0: Tartan is today most often associated with Scotland. ...though its origins are from much further afield. Ancient examples of tartan have been traced to populations in Central Europe and China. Original Scottish Highland tartans drew their colors from... ...whatever natural plant-based dyes could be found nearby the weaver's home... ...and thus were more often representative of a region or district of the country... ...than that of a specific family or clan. Indeed, it's generally agreed that clan tartans are an invented tradition... The popularity of Tartan grew exponentially following the 1822 visit of King George IV to Scotland when the king appeared wearing a Tartan kilt. Soon after, Tartan became the national dress for the whole of Scotland, not just the Highlands and Islands. In the United States, April the 6th is designated as Tartan Day. April the 6th is also the date on which the Declaration of Arbroath was signed in 1320, a document widely thought to have inspired the USA's own Declaration of Independence. This National Day of Recognition honors America's strong ties to Scotland and the achievements of Americans of Scottish descent. Thus, tartan today permeates everyday life for Scots and the Scottish diaspora found not just in the USA, but around the world. Tartan can be found on everything from clothing and home furnishings to packaging— from phone cases to automobile vinyl wraps and even biscuit tins. For one Glasgow-born artisan, Tartan has also inspired a line of fused glass jewelry and other artistic creations. Alicia McInnes works with glass, fused glass to be exact. And what, you might ask, is fused glass? Well, in layman's terms, it's a process of bonding two or more pieces of glass together using heat— McInnes has been working in the medium for more than two decades now. Her art ranges from large panels, suitable for windows or framing as wall art, to delicate jewelry like pendants, earrings, cufflinks, and more. Being a Scot, it's perhaps not surprising to find that many of her pieces feature tartan-inspired design. In fact, just recently, another Scottish artisan glassware company, Angel Share Glass announced a collaboration with McInnes to feature her tartan glass hearts on their own glass angels. But that's getting a bit ahead of the story. If traditional tartan is woven of yarns on a warp and a weft, just how does one go about creating tartan in the medium of glass? Well, that's just one of several questions I put to Alicia during our recent chat, when I learned that her entry into the world of glass design was, as she put it, a case of serendipity.
1: I was living in Barcelona. I'd been there for a couple of years, um, from 91 to 93. And um, I'd basically been teaching English for a couple of years. And I was looking to come back to Scotland to um, go to art school. And um, that, that was the plan at that point. And um, I came back to Barcelona to get my my things together to, to head back and just bumped into somebody in the street. And they asked me what I was doing. And I said that I was going back to Scotland um, to, to, to go to art school. And um, this woman told me about the glass centre in Barcelona and she said look you know that this week uh, is the week that they're interviewing people why don't you come along and have a look and I went along had a look and thought oh my god I died and gone to heaven <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, and they had all these different departments um, so they had stained glass um, traditional stained glass painting and restoration and then they had like casting and fusing glass as well. And previously um, they'd had a, a furnace for glass blowing, but that um, wasn't being used at that point because of the, the fumes. So you could either do traditional stained glass or you could do the fusing and the cast um, glass Um I didn't know what to do. You know, they both seemed equally attractive. And the person that had taken me, she said, well, if I were you, a good start starting point is stained glass. So I did that. But there I could see them fusing glass. And I was really, really interested. But we weren't allowed to, to mix the departments. So I had to wait till I finished my course and came back to Scotland in '99. Uh, came back to Glasgow and um, joined a collective studio where I had use um, and access uh, to kilns. And basically, I just watched what other people were doing and um, online tutorials and taught myself how to fuse glass. So that was really um, my introduction um, to fusing glass.
0: Upon your return to Scotland, did you undertake any formal training beyond what you, the course you had taken there in Barcelona? Any other formal training?
1: No, no.
0: No? You just taught yourself?
1: I just taught myself, yep.
0: Tell me a little bit then about how you started out. You, as you said, you studied stained glass in Barcelona, yes. but what you really enjoy, yep. what you do now is fusing glass. So explain to me what fusing yep. glass is and, and how you got into that and, and what's involved with it.
1: Well, basically, you're melting sheets of glass um, together in a kiln. Um, What I do is I cut up um, squares of coloured glass, um, which are three mil thick. So I'll I'll cut out, say, a six inch square of glass, for example, Um, two layers, three mil thick, put it into the kiln. You fire it up to 795 degrees centigrade and it's over a period of 12 hours because you have to do it quite slowly so that um, the glass doesn't get too much shock, thermal shock. What I do to get the, um, the tartan effect is I lay on top of this um, square of glass little tiny um, spaghetti-like rods of Coloured glass, Um, I'll put that one firing, I'll lay out the, these are called stringers. You put the stringers onto the um, slab of glass um, in one direction, fire that, um, that takes 12 hours up to 795 degrees, take it out after 12 hours and then I'll lay the stringers in the other direction so you've got that checked tartan effect and again you you find it for another 12 hours after that I take it out of the kiln and I've got like a tile cutter machine and a, a glass bandsaw so with the tile cutter machine I can cut um, like squares of glass like any, any straight lines so I'll cut pendants, earrings, brooches that kind of thing And then with my bandsaw, I can cut out more um, elaborate shapes like hearts. And I've also got like a drill as well, which you can cut out circles, perfect circles. And then with these pieces, I return them to the kiln, but you put them in at a slightly lower temperature, like um, 727 degrees for a similar period of time, and that just smooths off all your edges so you've not got any jaggy edges.
0: I noticed looking at your website, you work in everything from full-size decorative panels all the way down to tiny bits of jewelry as you're talking about pendants, earrings, cufflinks, etc. Does size make a difference when you're working with glass? Is it easier to work in smaller or larger sizes?
1: Not really. You're you're just limited by the size of your kiln. I tend to make a lot more jewellery than the bigger panels. Um, At the moment, my biggest kiln, um, the the shelf, is just under a metre long by half a metre, and then I have a a smaller kiln as well. But um, before, I had a a kiln which was about a metre and a half by a metre and a half, so I could get some pretty big you know, panels in, um, you know, and I could make things like splashbacks or wall panels or, you know, or even windows, fused windows. Right. Um, But I have access, although I personally don't own a bigger kiln, I've got access to bigger kilns.
0: In looking at your Facebook page, with regard to your jewelry, mm-hmm. I, I found a veritable zoo of creatures, I guess would be a way to say it. Uh, there's grasshoppers and ducks yeah. and snails and, and cats and mice and puffin and robins and all sorts of things. I think one of the most recent I found were the little red foxes. Where do you draw inspiration from for all of these different creations?
1: Oh, I love foxes. Um, the, the original fox that I did was actually, the, the design was taken from a, a, a little vintage brooch that I saw somewhere, and I thought, oh, that's quite a nice one. And they look like they're, they're sort of um, running. I don't know if they were the ones you saw, or did you see the little curled-up ones?
0: Uh, the curled ones were the ones I saw.
1: Right, and that was something I'd seen somewhere. I don't know where I'd, I'd seen that in a book or, or whatever. Anywhere. I, I get inspiration from all over, just books, online, real life, you know. Um, it, it just depends. There's, I don't have one, you know, definite channel that I draw from.
0: When you were discussing the the process you go through, then for some of these animals like that have little button noses or, or different colored eyes and things, I, I'm uh-huh. gathering that each of those elements is a separate little piece of glass that then has to be fused to the base, much like you were talking about That's laying right. in the warp and weft of the tartan.
1: That's right. Um, so, for example, with the foxes, That'll be two firings. so I'll do the basic body and then the extremities like the nose, the eyes, I'll, I'll put them on at a second firing and then they're a bit more pronounced. you know i put them on at a lower temperature so they don't all kind of melt into you know like a sort of puddle so this you know they stand proud of the the face or the body.
0: How do you keep the glass from just literally running together and making mud? <laughs>
1: Controlling the temperature, like no, you you know what temperature to to you know take it to because if if you start going any higher, you would just have a puddle. Right. Um, if say you went up to like a thousand degrees or just under a thousand degrees centigrade, it would just basically just be a puddle.
0: And all of this, you learned basically. You said you've you've taught yourself either by maybe yep. online reading or YouTube tutorials. Yeah. So, was there a lot of um, yeah. trial and error when you first got started? Maybe a lot of error.
1: <laughs> a lot of error. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I still still have um, yeah that mistakes still happen, but you know, sometimes it's happy mistakes. You know. Are quite like a lot of bubbles in in my work, and some glass artists think that's a real problem. But I I just think that's quite quite an attractive quality in a piece. Um, so it's um, yeah, but you know, basically I I know what I'm doing now. But you know, the odd accident does happen. Sure. Then.
0: I really became aware of your of your art when my friends over at Angelshare Glass revealed that they're going to be using some of your glass tartan inspired hearts on a collection of their glass angels.
1: Yeah,
0: and so that got me curious about making tartan or tartan inspired glass. What sent you down the direction of trying to do tartan inspired glass? When when did that inspiration come to you?
1: Um, a few years ago, I saw some striped. Straight- glass tiles on a light bench and they were they were sat like that um you know unintentionally you know at um right angles to each other so and it it had that tartan effect and I thought oh I could probably do that um with a bit of um fiddling about so that's that's what first gave me the idea to do that and that was several years ago Um, I don't know, possibly about 10 years ago and maybe started doing it about nine years ago.
0: So is this the first collaborative effort you've done with your glass, working with another, essentially another glass artisan, the folks over at Angel Share?
1: Yes. Karen um, came to me. She saw them. I posted the Tartan Hearts on the Scottish Travel Society Facebook page.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: About... I don't know, just a few months ago, about four months ago. And she came on and um, asked if I would be interested in um, collaborating with them and making some little tiny hearts to go on their glass angels.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the, the tartan, the glass process of making these mm-hmm. uh, tartan inspired and we want to be sure people understand we're saying tartan inspired because you don't actually replicate a mcdonald tartan or the royal Stewart or the mcclellan tartan or whatever tartan you want to mention um your work exactly your work uses the same colors and some but but it isn't an exact replication of the official of an official tartan is that right
1: that's right yeah I just use the colours so that it will um, basically go with the tartan and, and have that the, the look of it, but it won't be the exact tartan. So that's why I say tartan-inspired.
0: Talk me through that process again just a little bit. You start with an original glass plate. Um, for example, if it's a red tartan, I would assume you would start with a glass plate of red and, and then you would That's add like in the warp and the weft of the different crisscrossing colours?
1: Exactly. With um, spaghetti-like strands of coloured glass, I lay that on top of the, the sheet of, for example, as you said, red glass. I'll put coloured colored, uh, stringers on top. Um, first of all, in one direction, call it the warp, if you like, um put it into the kiln and um fire up to seven hundred and ninety five degrees over a period of twelve hours and um take it out. It'll be cooled down by then, and then I'm able to lay the the weft um with the colored stringers in the other direction and um return it to the kiln and do the same process over again up to 795 degrees over 12 hours take it out and then I can um cut um different shapes if this is going to be jewelry I can cut different shapes with my tile cutter or my bandsaw for more elaborate shapes um like the hearts um and then I return these pieces back into the kiln at a slightly lower temperature to smooth off the edges and then we're able to for making it into jewelry, attach the findings.
0: So you are, in essence, weaving tartan and glass. You're doing it, you know, step by step, obviously. But you're working with yes. a warp and a weft in different colors to create that that yes. pattern effect, right?
1: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Is there a particular tartan that you've worked with that has worked particularly well in glass?
1: The sound of Iona is a beautiful one. And that that works really well in glass. So the one that is, my glass that is inspired by that is one of my favourite ones. Um, I have another range called Sky and that's a turquoise background and that's a really nice one, Um, very popular. And also another one which I've called Cara after the island um, and it's a transparent purple with um, green highlights, that's another um, really popular one that I really like.
0: So are you, in essence, then able to, to recreate virtually any tartan in an inspired piece of glass?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So there's no limit to colours or any of that kind of involvement?
1: No, the the colour range is so extensive now. It's actually a company that's based in um, America, Bullseye in Oregon, and they um, are specialists in glass glass for fusing. And I I don't know how many colours they have now, but I mean, it's just absolutely immense. You know, there's so many shades of green. I, I, I really don't know. Sometimes I look at them and I think, I I can't even see the difference between, you know, so subtle, the color changes. Yeah. So um, you are able to come up with a real plethora of um, different um, colors and effects as well. Also, another um, glass that I use, um, it's called dichroic glass. I don't know if you've ever heard of dichroic.
0: I've heard the term, but I can't honestly tell you I know what it means
1: well it's a metallic oxide that's coated on a very very thin um layer of glass i used a tiny little amount in my or my you know other pieces as well and it just gives that little sort of sparkle just a little lift if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and it just make gives it a little bit more depth but i don't use too much i just you know a hint a little flash here and there it just helps to kind of lift the pieces
0: has anyone ever come to you and said look i have my tartan and or i'm a member of x clan and i would love some of your tartan jewelry tartan inspired jewelry to 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 have to wear when i'm wearing my tartan has someone come yes. to you and said you know look this is my tartan can you do this for me in glass.
1: Yes, yes, it, it, it happens quite a lot, yep, yep, that's that's usually how it works, yep. I mean, I've also been commissioned to make bigger pieces, um, you know, um, like bowls, platters. Um, a customer from California who came across me in Edinburgh at the... I had a stall during the Edinburgh Festival and he bought some pieces off me and then he got... He, he was actually Scottish but has been in California for quite a while. He asked me to make some bigger pieces for his home. So he wanted bowls, he wanted um, light fittings as well, you know, like wall, wall lamps.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: So these pieces were probably about a foot each um in length, um, and then I just posted them over. So you're not just limited to jewellery, you can get bigger you know, you, you could have something for the wall or, you know, I could do something that could be framed, you know. Um it wouldn't necessarily have to be something that you wear.
0: Right, right. It
1: could be something for the you know, it could be homeware.
0: Right. Yeah, okay. Is there any any favorite project that you've undertaken that, uh, for whatever reason, sparks maybe a special memory or just great joy at, at having been able to, to visualize it and then see the final product come out in, in your glass?
1: Yeah, well, um, I made a seascape. It, w- it wasn't a particular commission for anybody. I just wanted to make um, this piece and uh, the kiln that I had at the time allowed me to do it in one one go because it was so big. Um, and basically, it was just a lot of blues and, you know, aquas. And I I really had fun making that piece, um, mounted it. So there was a, a big, a long central panel with two little side panels making up uh, the triptych, and it was just mounted on a board and hung on a bit of um, rope. So it had quite a nautical Mm -hmm. feel. And it, the person that bought it, it fitted exactly in their bathroom wall. Ah. The the length.
0: Serendipity. You know,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Um so I enjoyed doing that. I, I like doing I like doing one-off things and um so I, I came up with this idea of a bee um with um three-dimensional um wing in dichroic. So the the wing is proud of the bee. Um and I just found out last year that one of the ancient um, crests for the McInnes um, clan is a bee with a thistle. So um, I've been making some uh, bees with thistle little panel. They're little curved panels. So they're freestanding. You can put them, you know, um, on a windowsill or you could put a tea light behind them. Um, So it's like a decorative piece, but... um, and I do them in various sizes as well.
0: Is there a lot of competition in, in the business of glass, especially fused yeah. glass jewelry making? Are yeah. there a lot of people out there oh, doing what yeah. you do? Really?
1: Well, nobody's doing that. I, I, I saw one person, and I don't know who they they were, and um, it was on um, a, a gallery's um like website or something because somebody said oh you've got your your work in the whatever gallery this is a few years ago and um i said no i've not got my work in that gallery." she said yeah yeah you definitely it's yours and i had a look and somebody had made something very very similar to my uh cara the purple tartan. it was a pendant and i i don't know um but I've never come across them again, and it didn't have the name of the person. I've never come across them again, but it's it's very popular in the States, uh, fused glass. There's a lot of people over there um, fusing glass, a lot of hobbyists and a lot of professionals.
0: Okay, and what about in Scotland?
1: Um, yeah, there's, there's a few, but it's it's not as big... I would say as it is in America.
0: Do you have to worry about, you mentioned you, you stumbled onto that one piece where someone made something that was very, very similar to a yes. product of yours. Do you, copywriter in some other way, protect your designs, your foxes, for example, your bees? Do you have to be worried about someone seeing that and going, oh, I can do that and copying it and then selling it as well?
1: I don't copyright, now. I have done it in the past. Um, but I don't do it, I don't do it now. I think it's such a small world that if somebody did, you know, like in Scotland or or Britain, if somebody did copy something, they would get such a hard time off other artists that it wouldn't be worth their their while to do it. I I don't find it a problem, but it's not something that, that crops up very often.
0: We talked about how this sort of happened by serendipity when you were living in Barcelona. But when you were growing up as a kid, did you have a fascination with glass objects? I mean, I can remember going to amusement parks and they would have these little stores where where these people, I guess it was glass blowing. They made, you know, little tiny unicorns and helicopters and you name it. They had all those sort of little things out of glass. Did, Did you have a fascination with it in some fashion when you were younger?
1: No, but I've always made jewelry since I was very young. I was all I loved beads. Absolutely loved playing with beads from being a little girl. Um and when I was a teenager I started making things and selling them to little shops and um so I've always been interested in jewelry. Um and when I saw Fused glass. I thought that would make great jewellery, and there wasn't. There was hardly anybody doing. Um, twenty years ago, there was hardly anybody doing fused glass jewellery. Now there's a lot of it around.
0: With regard to your sales, is there any particular item that is perhaps your best seller? Is there perhaps a market more for Scottish-themed items as opposed to just other creative pieces?
1: I think that the definitely the tartan-inspired items um have proven to be very popular. And I, I used to do uh well obviously not last year but um in August I, I'd take a stall at the in Edinburgh for the international festival and I'd get a lot of interest from tourists who are looking for something handmade that's quite Scottish um, also, you know, jewellery is a very easy gift to transport, you know. Um, my bigger items don't sell quite as well there because people are worried about getting like a, a panel back home on the plane or whatever. So I find that the, the yeah, the tartan jewellery, the tartan inspired jewellery is. Definitely my bestseller.
0: You came back from Barcelona, having studied a little bit in glasswork, and decided to start in that in that medium and taught yourself. Is there something about Scotland, the business climate there, that encourages entrepreneurship of for people like yourself to go out and start your own uh, own business and make a career of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of help out there. Um, we have like, bodies like Creative Scotland. Um also um our landlords wasps that they encourage a lot of um or facilitate a lot of you know business ideas that you know they allow us to have exhibitions and um can give us advice um about different aspects of our work. Um So, and there's quite a big community out there of of self-employed artists. A lot, uh, there's a lot of galleries, um, and there's a lot of interest in it. People, I think people, the public are quite enthusiastic to support locally made products. So, it's quite a, I'd say, a thriving community. Yeah.
0: My thanks, as always, to my guest, Alicia McKinnis, for giving us a glimpse into her Tartan-inspired and other glass art creations. To truly appreciate Alicia's work, you simply must see it. So I encourage you to visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot to check out our show notes, where you'll find several photos and links to learn more about Alicia's glass design, including links to her Facebook page and Etsy store, those who might want to do a bit of shopping online. If you're in Scotland, you can see Alicia's work at both the Glasgow and Edinburgh locations of the Scottish Design Exchange, and further up north at the Old School Bewley, just north of Inverness. Wherever you are, in Scotland, the USA, or around the world, here's wishing you a happy Tartan Day. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer, Tapeleve Agus Alpha Cabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Or we'll get in touch via email at info at Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.